coming to you from Michigan, USA, and listened to by people all over the planet. Get ready to be safe and sound with Sean Sparkman. Sparkman. Never take your eyes off your opponent, even when you bow. Welcome to the Safe and Sound Podcast. This is your host, Sean Sparkman. I am bringing to you today Cindy Hounsel from Washington, D.C. She is the head of the Wiser Institutes. Cindy, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what the Wiser Institute is? Yeah, well, it's actually uh, the Wiser is the acronym for the Women's Institute for Secure Retirement, and we're a 24-year-old nonprofit um, that basically focuses on getting women information and getting them to pay attention to their financial lives and to prepare for the future. Awesome. And how did you get your start in that? I'll make it the short story, but I was in the sort of an earlier career and I had my pension benefit frozen and it was one of the first pensions that was frozen and uh, back in the 80s. And so Somebody, you know, in the company advised me that it was never going to grow. I just thought, well, you know, it's frozen, put it in the freezer, and someday I'll be, you know, old and pull it out and <laughs> it'll be fine, except that <laughs> I didn't understand how it all worked. And nobody could explain it to me. Nobody understood because it was new at having that happen, you know, where companies started to to just realize how expensive it was to, to cover workers for <laughs> living longer, 50 years, whatever. So anyway, so I I was interested in that, and then I actually left the company, went back to school, got a law degree, got a fellowship to Washington, and part of the fellowship was working, you know, on a project that actually helped older women, and a number of them were widows or divorced women, and so there were, you know, boxes stacked in these offices and cases that were really of interest that people would start working on, and then they'd, they'd put them down. And so anyway, so I got a bunch of those cases and we won a number of them. And it was just like got me fascinated with all of it. And I finally learned what it meant to have a frozen benefit. I mean, basically for me, it was like having very little pension, even though I'd been at that company for about 12 years. So anyway, so it led me to this because then I realized that people didn't know very much. I didn't know very much and it was hard to get the information. It was before the internet. So I answered a letter in a woman's magazine and they got the largest response in the history of the magazine. And it was a really simple question. And that just sort of confirmed that I was onto something that nobody knew anything. You know, I, I, I always say that's the book I should have written. You know, like no one knows anything, and then you can just like keep re-upping it because so many things change that five years later you won't know anything either. Just that, joking. It's well, not that hard. That, that still runs true to today. Nobody really does know everything, and it, <laughs> right. even in this information age, it's so hard to sort through all the information that's available and know who to listen to and who to trust. 
Right. And I mean, people just hear all this conflicting information. You know, they ride along in the car or something and and they they hear somebody on a radio show or something or and then they could be interviewing somebody who doesn't know the right thing, you know, and that's what they hear. And so they hear confusing, conflicting information. And there's just now there's too much. When I started, there was like hardly anything. And, you know, now there's almost too much information for people to feel that they can take control of this easily. So, so that's why Wiser was started. And I, I must say that we have one of the best acronyms in Washington, D.C. People love that. So anyway, I wanted, I wanted when I started this organization, I went to a foundation and applied for some funding and got it. And they, they knew of our, the work that we'd been doing. And so I decided Wiser, that will, you know, that'll get people to pay attention to what they're supposed to be doing. And that's what happened. So I have a fun question for you. Okay. Has has working at Wiser and with Wiser, it's your organization, right? Has that made you wiser? Oh, definitely. Definitely. So, I mean, that's part of the fun of it because so much changes all the time. And so you're always learning. And, and you know, uh, for a long time, I when I was working on this other project, I didn't work so much with the financial industry. But now, you know, we do, you know, we do a lot. I go to a lot of conferences and you know, get to speak and get to have people use our programs and plan sponsors and all of that. And so I I love that and I love learning. And then for myself, I have friends that knew me a long time ago and they think it's pretty funny that I'm so interested (laughs) in this area. It was never, it was never anything that I aspired to. And so, you know, I got my own house in order, as they say. So... And, you know, there's not very many people out there that are focusing financial education solely on women. And I kind of got the gist of why you did choose to focus on women. But could you just go a little deeper into that? Yeah, well, when I was working on, you know, the cases that I mentioned, you know, these were older women who were poor. And then what I what I realized is I'd go to these meetings here in Washington. People would be talking about poverty among older women and how terrible it was. And so, you know, when I saw these numbers, they were like, unbelievable. And what I realized was that, oops, I'm going to be poor and pretty much everybody I know, the boomers, because nobody had been talking about any of that. And so I thought that's that's one of the big challenges is that you have to start doing something early. And I'll still have people saying to me, well, why do you have these things about people that are much younger preparing for retirement? And these are people that are older. They think uh, they don't have enough themselves, but they think like, well, I'm doing the right thing now that I'm 55 and I just figured out I need to save. Younger women have a good chance because there's a lot of information around now to start doing something. That's the thing. You, You have to start somewhere and it becomes overwhelming. I think that's what happens to a lot of people. You know, they think like, I don't have enough to save. They don't understand the rules and they think they need like 6,000 to put into an IRA when you don't need 6,000. You can put in whatever you can put in to start saving. I like that you mentioned starting somewhere because I have this conversation with people all the time that it's like building a house and a house doesn't get built in a day or any building and neither does your life. And you're not going to make wholesale changes in one big fell swoop. It's just not how people function. Right. I think it's just like a brick house. You take one brick at a time and you build a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And then eventually you have that house. And the same thing with your retirement savings or any type of preparation. You have to take those small baby steps. So I'm glad you brought that up. Right. And that's one of the things, I mean, we do because our name, Women's Institute for Secure Retirement, we focus on the education around the retirement piece and try to make it easier for people to understand. I mean, 
there aren't like 50 ways to get income for retirement. There are those basic ways. You save yourself or, you know, you have an employer who provides a benefit for you for a retirement benefit of some sort, or you save through that and you know what your social security is. And maybe people think they're going to win the lottery or they're going to get an inheritance, but a lot of people get disappointed by wishing for those things that never happen. And so taking charge is a really good opportunity to just get started. I believe it gives people confidence. When yeah, it does. Have, People love know, it, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. To know that you're in control, or at least you have some modicum of control, and you're able to make those small decisions on a daily basis to put yourself in a much better position. I told a story, and I've told it many, many times, uh, about when I first got started in the financial industry. I, I sat down with a woman who had requested my help just for a simple final expense life insurance policy so she could pay for a funeral. And that's all she needed at the time. But she told me her life story and she was 73 and I'm sitting with her and I'm sweating because I was 95 degrees. I was in a sport coat and she didn't have air conditioning and her, her and I are sitting there talking and she told me that when they went into retirement, her and her husband, they didn't do any planning. She thought he had everything handled. He was going to take his pension. He was a 30 year Chrysler guy, worked in the factory. He's going to get his pension. He was going to get his social security and they were good. And what ended up happening is he got cancer a couple of years in and throughout the fighting of the cancer. They ended up spending down their entire life savings. And then when he passed away, she wasn't aware that he chose his pension option that left her with nothing from the pension. And then on top of that, she also lost the lower of the two social securities. So her income went from what it was to about a third of what it was. Yeah. And, and that that's still happening, believe it or not. So I believe it. And you know what? I left that house and I sat in my car afterwards and I was just Lord, because, you know, she was there, she was crying and while well, she was telling me the story, I'm hugging her. And, you know, afterwards, just really, that's when it, I knew that I had to get as much education out to people as possible because I don't ever want to see that happen to somebody again. Yep. And there you are. You're a good spokesperson for us. So that's, that's the story. Um, when I was working on that project that I mentioned, a lot of the women that we ended up being successful getting benefits were late 70s and 80s. And I can remember this one woman who was a nurse and she was a nurse anesthesiologist and had worked for a group of doctors. And at some point, new people came in they changed the plan and then they tried to say that she hadn't worked there for like more than two years, like till the new plan. And mm -hmm. she had been there about 17 years at that point and knew, knew how much money in the practice and all of that. So we got a pro bono law firm and it took three years, but she ended up getting $350,000 like in her early 80s, was able to buy a condo. You know, she loved to paint and it was just like, the most incredible story. And her kids were, she was driving them crazy because she she wouldn't move out of this apartment where she had one whole room filled with the boxes with all her proof that she had worked there, every W-2, every letter. I mean, she was like the lawyers at the one of the big law firms here that helped, you know, they, they were like, oh, what a dream this woman is. She kept every letter. You're the best employee we've ever had. Those are the things that, you know, kept moving me on. Yeah, that's a really cool story because that's not usually how it goes. So I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, I do want to switch gears just a little bit on every single episode of the podcast. There's a couple of questions that I ask every guest and you can share as much or as little as you want. It's completely up to you. But what is something in life that you have failed at? I don't know. I think I'm old enough that what's weird about it is, you know, you sort of turn those 
I guess, like disappointments is more what it is. And I feel like I've been fortunate in my life that, I mean, other than I could say, like, I've been working for this on this issue for a long time, and I would expect that people would know more, but they don't, you know, thinking about that. But in my own life, you know, my marriage failed, but even that was spun into a positive. So we stayed friends for a long time. And we raised a child together and did that pretty successfully. And The reason I ask that question is that failure is very important to me, and I believe it is to everybody out there because everybody fails at something, whatever it may be. And it's how we handle that failure and use it, like you said, to spin it or turn it into a positive because every failure, it's like failing forward. Every failure is in some way a learning experience if you approach it with the right mindset. Right. And I grew up with a mother who was basically disabled. She had a really severe heart condition and had five open heart surgeries, you know, was always dying throughout my life. So I think I just ended up with a different perspective. If you're around somebody who's having emergency after emergency and then pulls through, you have a different perspective on life. Yeah, that makes sense. So on the flip side, what do you view as your greatest success in life? Well, I mean, raising my stepdaughter, that was that's that's turned out to be a great success and really mattered and and you know, in my own, you know, career, I'm lucky that I love what I do and have been able to infuse others with some of that love too and people that are like dedicated to the issue and help us and that makes me happy and then knowing that we really make a difference in people's lives. People tell you that. I was on the metro here in Washington one day, and there was this young man that 19, and someone had invited me to do this program. It was supposed to be all women, and it turned out to be all men. <laughs> it was like, and they were like from age. So I get there, somebody just leaves me in this like classroom, and it was supposed to be the women's something or other initiative. And then it turned out, and there were all these guys, and they went from like age, I don't know, 18, 19 to about 50, and talking to them, and you know, a lot of different people from a lot of different circumstances. And and then this young guy, uh, about three years later that I remember seeing, sees me on, on the metro and he taps on my leg and goes, hey, remember me? And so I said, yeah, I didn't quite remember, but I said I did. And he said, well, guess what? I have a 401k. I'm on my way out to Vienna, which is like the last stop on the train. And he said, I work for a construction company I have the 401k. He had, I don't know, he'd been there like over two years. He had whatever thousands of dollars in there, like not a million, but he had been saving. And he he was just so happy. And so it's like, I mean, in simple ways, sometimes if you give people the right information, they can do a lot with it. That That's sort of the failure. I wish there were just more of these programs and like what you're trying to do, getting it out in the public in every community so that people didn't have to think they could think, oh, I'm going to go to the library and hear that guy Joe talk about insurance policy. Yeah, no, I love that. It's a really cool story. I did read your article, a couple of different articles, but one of them on the website was called The Personal Cost of Caregiving. And I, I wanted to know a little bit more about that. So what are the chances of the average person actually becoming a caregiver for somebody? They're pretty likely. I mean, you know, I don't have the odds on that, but, you know, it just seems to be. And it's so many more people today than it was even five years ago. And that's with the boomers all turning 65 and 70 at this point. So what happens is things happen in the research community. They call a lot of what I'm going to be talking about as shocks 
you know, like financial shocks. It's like you have to quit your job and go take care of somebody, just like the woman did that you were talking about, that, you know, whose husband got cancer and, you know, they were doing fine beforehand and then had all these expenses and things. And, and so women have to often leave their jobs or forget about having a career and reduce their work hours. And it's happening more with younger people, too, who the millennials and the Gen Z who are helping take care of grandparents. Those numbers have really increased in those various populations. And then you're not getting your raise and maybe missing out on training and things like that. And so not only do you take a hit on your career, but it's also on your own finances because, you know, you do a lot of -of out-of-pocket things that picking up food and prescriptions and things like that 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 people don't even realize they're so harried in their lives that they're doing, you know, can be very costly too. Yeah. And it's like 66% of caregivers are women, right? Yeah. I mean, that number varies, but yeah, depending on which study it is, but you know, it's, it's clearly a majority anyway. So around that, you know, you think about it, it's often the women that stay home, men stay home with kids, but it's still the women are the majority of, of doing that, that work. And so, you know, when there becomes the mother-in-law getting sick, it's usually the wife that will do that, leave her job or take care of her mother-in-law. I I was at a big financial conference a while ago, and so I wasn't saying exactly that, but I was talking about caregiving and everything, and this man came up, and he owned a wealth agency, basically. He said to me, he said, so Cindy, you'll love this story. My wife's a school teacher. We live in a cul-de-sac. We have a 92-year-old woman who's still in her own home. Her husband is deceased. She had one son. He died. You know, she doesn't have anybody else, and he said, guess what? All the retired men, we take it at the doctor. We take, he said, because we can do our own thing. You know, most of us are independent. Whereas he said, my wife can't take a day off from work. So he said, you know, we're, we're all learning. It, it was a great story. He said, I just wanted you to know that's happening. Get those men doing the doctor's appointment. So how does being a caregiver ultimately impact somebody's retirement? You know, and people interrupting and maybe, you know, not contributing to their 401k because they don't have the money or taking leaves with the family medical leave, stuff like that, having these lapses, contribution. And so it makes a big difference. And a lot of times people just don't realize it so that when they get back to work, they're not they're not really paying attention for like a period of time. Or a lot of times I hear here, we, we get the stories about, you know, the women who actually leave their jobs and then they're in their 50s or early 60s and they can't find a job that pays or has a benefit or so they're behind the eight ball like going into retirement. You know, it, it it all goes back to what you were saying in the beginning too is that just helping people from the beginning realize that you're going to have to make life decisions all along the way and there's going to be some tough decisions and what you have to do is be thinking about that in the good times, you know, like storing your nuts away for the winter. We did a booklet which is on our website called, which was early before people really were talking about the financial decisions and what I love about it is it's a, it's an easy booklet for us to use with almost any age because when you you know you start talking to young people and say look you know what colleges cost and if you don't come from a family that can afford to pay for all your college then you're going to be paying for it and it's expensive and that's you're going to carry that for a long time it's not just like a couple of years the loans that you're going to burden yourself with and all the things you're not going to be able to do 
And the other decisions that you make early on are like getting a job and looking at the benefits and thinking about that, getting married and looking at the financial decisions that you have when you first marry and knowing what the consequences are if you hear a lot of stories about divorce too. And I mean, I'm sure it happens to men too, where they don't ask for, we say this all the time, you ask for the credit report. You just have to do that. Like with the engagement ring, maybe wait a week and then you both, <laughs> then you both come clean. I, I had a young friend and she kept saying to me, you have to go shopping with me because I'm going to have to come clean with him. We're having that talk next week. And so I already want this on my credit card before <laughs> <laughs> before we have the talk. <laughs> so yeah. of all those things, right? That yeah. And you, know, you mentioned men and women are different and everybody knows it. The biggest thing when it comes to women and planning for retirement, what are the differences in the challenges that they face versus, say, men? Well, they need more. I mean, that's the other that's the other thing. I mean, one of the one of the things that like hit me when I was when I think I sort of moved off that was that in the research when I saw how many of these older women were living in poverty, like the woman the story that you talked about because, you know, she's got to go through probably another 10 or 15 years, right, with very little money, no pension benefit that she had planned on and just whatever the social security. There's almost 6 million more older women than older men at age 65. I mean, the numbers are, that's what always drove me to be talking about this. And usually I can convince the men in a minute. Men kind of roll their eyes like, oh, they, they're going to have a panel now on women. You can sometimes <laughs> see it in the audience and you get up there and you go, okay, we're going to look at the numbers and you've all been to a nursing home. I know that at some point, grandma, somebody was there, right? So you look and see who's around in their 90s. Luckily, more men are coming along because I always say then the men get chased after, you know, in their 90s by all the women that need money. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to find you wherever you are. <laughs> but I mean, it's the sheer numbers and just not having enough money, you know, having gone through the not earning a, li a lot throughout your lifetime and earning less and then not thinking about that. And I mean, more young women are thinking about that today. I mean, there's, I saw a book that someone had written about what happens when women earn more than their partners or their husbands. But that isn't the majority of people, I can tell you, as somebody who goes to a lot of places around the country. So lifetime of lower pay and people, I think, don't understand a lot of the systems and that's because they're complicated. It's just learning those basics that if you stop work or you have less pay, then you're going to have less in Social Security benefits in the future, less money in your retirement account. So what can women do to really plan for these challenges? Because the statistics are real and I've seen it in my daily business that there are definitely a lot more women that are living longer than men. So you have to take charge and learn what you need to be doing and live beneath your means close as you can. I mean, it doesn't mean I often say to people like, look, it doesn't mean you can't get your nails done or whatever your favorite thing happens to be. It just means you can't probably do it every week. You know, Do the things that are important to you, but make sure that you're doing this piece because what a lot of people do is then they never start. They just throw their hands up in the air and say, oh, I'm not going to have any money and I'm going to have to work forever anyway. So it doesn't matter. But it does matter because once you start taking charge and we advise especially low-income women to get into Roth IRAs and do whatever you can. And even moderate and lower income women, which we, we've dealt with a lot, and we've done some studies showing that 
they care as much about this as anybody else. And so we've done some programs where we provide a match. We get like different population of women and we get a grant to do that. And we start teaching them how to save. Like you said, when people do it, they feel so confident and they're not trying to save a million dollars. They're just trying to save enough to be able to have an emergency fund and to make sure that they'll be able to pay for what they need to pay if they have an emergency, even a tire that's blown and to get them to work. So I think taking charge, starting early, first paycheck, paying yourself first, all the things we know, and making the, what the industry and government and all that can do is to find ways to make it easier for people. And so there was a bill just passed here, which I'm sure you're familiar with, the SECURE Act. One of the things that I love about the bill is that for part-time workers, if you're a regular part-time worker, you'll be able to save in the employer 401k plan. And, you know, what happens for people is it's complicated. I tell that to some of the big financial companies that if I go around and I mention the name of some big company, then it's not likely in a in an audience with say professionals even you know women that have may have master's degrees that work in the aging industry but they're working with people all the time and people that need help so they're not paying a lot of attention to their finances either and so you ask the question and say what about this company or this company have you ever heard of them and they don't because they're not in that world and they're not reading the materials where people are always surprised when I mention, I don't want to mention it on your podcast, what people, I don't want to single out anybody, but it's not so easy just to set up one of these accounts. You and I know how to do it, so it doesn't seem like it's so hard, but even one of the credit unions we were working with, they, for, to open up a, a Roth, you need $600. So not every credit union is like that and not every bank requires, but there used to be much lower amounts that would get you in. I mean, I remember when we started, it was like you could put in, I think it was $15 a paycheck. So that was like $30 a month. Not every place, but a lot of places. And then you had to be signed up to be putting money in every month. You know, you had to make a commitment. But when people look and see, and I try to explain that because you want to say like, look, go do this. But then if you don't have the amount of money to get you in and you don't know where to go, and you don't have a lot of time. So we need to make it easier. The bill, as I said, the part-time worker piece, that makes a big difference. And I think so. that's exciting for a lot of people that aren't in the position to do what you're saying. Like, you know, they don't have the 600 to get started. But one right. thing you, I find interesting is you keep mentioning the Roth IRA. Why do you focus on the Roth over the traditional? Well, because a lot of the women that we end up working with don't have, you know, they're not going to get a deduction. And so, and they don't have a, a 401k at their, so they're deciding between a, a, which IRA. I didn't mean to be talking about that more than the other, but because, you know, I think a lot of people, you take advantage of that tax protected money forever. It's easy because the Roth means people can get to that money too. And I know that's a big no-no, but that's it's one way to get them to do it. <laughs> is to say whatever money you put in yourself, you're going to be able to get it if you had an, an emergency or your kid is sick and needs that money. So yeah, that makes sense. That's the only reason. But it's, you know, for different populations, that's one of the other good things in that SECURE Act is that people over 70, I think maybe it was even earlier than that, might have been over 65, I forget, I think 65, you couldn't, you couldn't have an IRA. And so now you can have a tax-deferred IRA. Well, I think more people are going to be looking towards the Roth because of the SECURE Act as well, now that the stretch IRA has been eliminated. 
right. as a way as a way to pass funds on to their you know legacy, their family, without uh, the tax consequences being as severe. They have more control over it. Right, um, and people understand it. Like you say, they they understand it. I think it's easier in some ways. They sort of feel like they know where the money is. Otherwise, they have to go pay taxes to get out that money. If, if if they really needed it for medical expenses, that's what people, you know, most of the retirement stuff that people take money out for. I mean, people always say, oh, yeah, somebody's buying a boat or a car or a fur coat or something. It's basically for medical expenses. Yeah. Now, speaking of medical expenses, that kind of relates to the next topic, which is the number of cases of elder abuse, you know, abuse of the elderly, whether it's financial or emotional or even possibly physical, has been rising more and more because obviously we we know, as we mentioned already, that the baby boomers are retiring more often and on a daily basis, it's going to continue to increase. So what steps can people take to protect themselves and protect their loved ones from these situations? Most of them, the FBI does a list of the seven worst scams every year. Right now, the Social Security scam is the number one, and uh, they had a hearing last week on Capitol Hill about it. How to stop it, what can individuals do, because that's really what it is. It's like, you know, if your mom answers the phone and, and they say, this is Social Security and you're going to lose your benefit unless you dial this number and then you hit a number and that means somehow you acquiesced and said that you were agreeing like to talk to these people and then they worm information out of you and wipe out your accounts and things. So that's a big part of the problem. I mean, it's not complicated fraud. It's over the phone, people giving information and not telling anybody about it. And it happens to people that are as highly educated or don't have even a high school education. People just, they get scared. And when somebody's authoritative, and I laugh most of the time, but sometimes they are scary because I pick up the phone and you get them here too all the time. And it flashes up that it looks like it's Social Security. And it's always amazed me because before there was an IRS scam and, and then people fall for the, the grandchildren. One, I, w- I was at a lunch about seven years ago and it was women from different financial, you know, we were all, you know, working with the industry in some way. This woman got up, she said, it's my mom, I have to go take this call. And she came back and she said, my mom is so upset. My grandson, Eric, is in Mexico and he's just had a DUI and he doesn't want his parents to know and on and on and on. And she said, mom, just wait one second. I'm going to put you on hold and I'm going to call Eric. So she calls him, (laughs) says to him, to her nephew, where are you? And he goes, I'm at the grocery store. Why? (laughs) She's like, talk to grandma, you know, and she switched them together. Look, that was a fluke that, that she was getting that call, like, at a time when she could call back and make all that happen. But people worry, and they're really good at getting you to to believe them. That's the big thing is there's a lot of, you know, there are posters and things Social Security has and getting people to put this by the phone. You know, the terrible thing about it is a lot of time when you have one of these incidents, if you have kids, and it reminds me because Lily Tomlin plays an older person and she's pretty funny the way, you know, when you watch the series that she's part of because she's always forgetting stuff and she'll say like, oh, you know, the movie with the guy married to the woman, the one. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and so that's sort of you make one mistake as one of these people, and then they take away your bank account, your kids, and everything. You know what I mean? You're in big trouble forever. I mean, that's what's so sad about it is that, I mean, even if you didn't lose much money or they didn't get all the information out of you, then people think you're incompetent. So I see a lot of that, and that makes me sad for people, too, aside from losing 
their money. There are a lot of these complicated stories about people. There's a lot with the sweetheart scams, the men with the younger women, the women giving money away. Same thing, finding true love. When my parents were alive, the next door neighbor, you know, I'd been widowed a few years and she had that happen to her. She married this guy and her kids didn't want her to and she ended up losing a lot. Well, situations are terrible. Really, it comes down to finding a friend or a family member, whoever you have that you trust and being able to listen to them no matter what, right? Exactly. And I think the other thing is keeping in touch more with people. If you have elder folks that you're in charge of or you're trying to help, then you need to be in touch with them all the time and telling them what's happening. Yeah, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, and it's it, sometimes it can be something as simple as a, a woman that I sat down with recently who asked me to come over and review her life insurance policies with her. And she doesn't really have much in the way of friends or family. And when I started going through everything, I, I said, you know, go and grab your bank account information, your, your bank statements. And we started going through them. And she had almost double digit different like little insurance policies. We didn't even know what they were. She was getting charged an astronomical amount by her utility company and she didn't know why. And so I had to sit down with her and we had to call all the companies, call the utility company and find out what the heck everything was and why she had it all. It was just stuff where she didn't really have memory problems, but it happened over a course of years where these different people came to see her and visit her and long story short, there was a lot more money coming out of her bank account and she all she had was social security that didn't need to be and it was limiting her ability to live you know i can't say what really happened but it did look like a situation where she was being taken advantage of by different people over those years and she had nobody to turn to to help her so thankfully i was able to do that but not everybody has somebody like you know me to turn to to be able to help them with that situation so I, I think, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, that it's very important if you don't have somebody to find somebody that you can trust and place that trust in them and just stay in contact constantly. That's what I was saying, that one would hope that there would be easier ways to do this. Like there's FINRA has these library projects and it's when people say to me, well, what do you think, what would be the thing that would make a difference in people's lives? And I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier about the, the library. Somebody like you could go teach a class or something but at night or talk about like what, what insurance policies people really need, especially as you're aging and or don't need or what other ways are there to save money and, you know, how to get help and get volunteers. And so, you know, the library programs, there just aren't enough of them and they're not everywhere. That's what needs to happen, I think, in communities and that can make just a huge difference. And we used to do a lot more with Social Security and the Department of Labor, you know, take people out so that you could get questions answered at libraries and bring financial planners, somebody like yourself who was knowledgeable that lived there because we don't live everywhere. And people love that. I mean, it's interesting. People say, you bring a financial planner and I say, Yes, because that's what people really want. They'll say, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know if I want to talk to somebody. And then the minute they meet somebody in person, they're like, yeah, give me your card. Before we go, I did want to ask you a couple more questions. First one is, what are you curious about going forward in life? Just in general, I guess, sort of the state of the world. I live in Washington, so it's like, what'll be happening? And will they get anything done? And I get excited because there is there are wonderful staffers on Capitol Hill. And it's sort of like sometimes we all say that if the members of Congress could just go home and leave the staffers there, you know, let them. they write all the bills anyway. And there are things happening that are good. And I'm always like looking to see what's happening in that way in the bigger picture. So. 
Cool. Well, that's a different viewpoint than most of the people that I speak with. So thanks for, sh- for sharing that. Is there anything I should have asked you and I didn't? Well, the one thing I guess that I I think that people fall down on as well is starting easy is the way I think about it. And if you have a job and you have any access to benefits, how about finding out what they are and taking advantage of them? Because I hear those things all the time. And I mean, I could tell you a story about a young guy that we work with who graduated from MIT and took his first job at Goldman Sachs. And they probably gave him a stack of papers, but he, he didn't have time to read them. You get in your job and you get thrown in. And then about four years later, found out he had a 401k and had no idea and never signed up. A lot of the corporations now are doing more with caregiver respite and support and flexible schedules and things that people don't talk about. Sometimes people negotiate something and they think, well, I don't want to tell anybody because then I won't be able to do this. But they're, they're part of policies that people just don't pay any attention to. And so I think knowing what you can get, what's available to you is really important. Now, Cindy, thank you very much for being on the show today. I really enjoyed our conversation. If people want to learn more about you and your organization, where can they go? Well, the website is Wiser Women, W-I-S-E-R-W-O-M-E-N at yeah, .org. Sorry, I was about to give my personal email. And um, and then, which is fine, I don't mind doing that either. And then our, you know, we have a phone number. So if you go to the website, you'll see our phone number is 202-393-5452. And we answer questions. We operate something called the National Resource Center for Women and Retirement Planning. And that's funded in part by the Older Americans Act, which is about to be passed again. And so, it, you know, it allows us to work with a lot of people and some of the people I've talked about on our interview, lower, more moderate income people that don't have access to any of these things and to help them learn the systems that they need to learn. Anyway, so that's, we have a lot of information on our website that's pretty basic. And we have experts in the office. We have a social security expert. You know, we have a general retirement expert. We have access to a lot of financial planners like yourself (laughs) that can help. Great. Well, thank you very much for being on the show, Cindy. And thank you for listening to the Safe and Sound podcast. My name is Sean Sparkman. We're going to be bringing you more episodes with people from all across the country in different aspects to help you build a safe and sound lifestyle. So thanks again, and we'll catch you later. Thanks for listening to Safe and Sound Radio with Sean Sparkman. Sean Sparkman. If you have questions or would like to suggest a topic for future shows, contact Sean at 313-246-9278 or visit the website at www.safeandsoundretirement.net. That's www.safeandsoundretirement.net. I must leave.